Thanks for joining Cornerstone for our message of the week. We hope you'll be inspired and encouraged. To connect with our church family and to watch our services live, download our app today by texting Sparks Will Fly as one word, app to 77977. That's Sparks Will Fly app to 77977, or by visiting us online at sparkswillfly.cc. Amen. Let's go to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. I want to go back where actually uh, Stanton opened up last week. Got to bring a lot of correction to what he taught. No, I'm cutting up. I just want to just uh, go back to that same text and jump around in some places right there. So, John Brown, if you can pull... Or Matt, whoever's back there, if you can pull Alan Mike down just a little bit. I wanted to play. Just just pull pull some of those keys out of the uh, where it's not as loud. Let's just pray. Father, we just thank you for this day, Lord. We just thank you for the opportunity just to preach and teach the word. Father, I do believe that Matt is correct, Lord. We just cannot continue to knock out church services. We've got to see a difference, Lord. We've got to make an impact. And so, Father, I pray today that you would just open our ears, open our understanding. God, give us a picture of the call of God on our lives. Don't let us sit on the sidelines. Let us get in the fight. Let us get in the race wholeheartedly wholeheartedly Father in Jesus mighty name I'm telling you I could probably preach for about about 18 hours at least I have been locked away for a few days Um, but I got something on my heart and uh, I want to go right back in really the message that I have to preach is I've longed and I have studied and have been after this since I was a teenager um I want to see true city transformation. If you've been a part of this church for any uh, years, if you remember back, Pastor Dale showing us videos. How many members of transformation videos have ever heard of Otis Johnson Jr.? The only city in America that's ever made it on that list is Manchester, Kentucky. And there's a documentary called Appalachian Dome where God began to move in the Appalachian Mountains of uh, Kentucky. And then... They've seen, such, they've seen such a move of God there that actually the purest water can be found from that city in Manchester, Kentucky. But at one time, they had such a problems with uh, uh, methamphetamine and drugs that the drug dealers had drive-through windows, and they were serving more people than the fast food restaurants were serving in a day's time. It was so bad that they could no longer recognize the citizens of the community and, tra- and roadblocks because the person on their license did not look like the individual they were looking at. They were bearing, I think, around six people per day to drug overdose. And there was a Baptist minister there who owned a bookstore. And then there was this charismatic storefront preacher who had a passion to read. And he would go to this bookstore and said, do you have this book? He said, no, I don't have it. He said, can you order it? And so this put this and God forged a friendship between these two men. And so what they did was, is they, they got before, they got before the Lord and God 
gave them the strategy to do a prayer walk over their city. And so they stood up against that spirit that was overtaking their city. Come on, somebody. They stood up against that spirit, and God broke the back of that through prayer. And uh, God brought a transformation to that city. But until we saw Manchester, Kentucky... Uh, there was not a, a city that had made it on. There was places in Argentina, Brazil, Uganda. I actually met uh, Jackson Sinyanga. I think he actually come here. I know he came to Southland. Um, how God broke the back of the AIDS epidemic in Uganda. If you remember a while back that the World Health Organization said that Uganda, because of the outbreak of AIDS, would no longer, would no longer cease to be, would not, not, not even be a nation. But that was broken through the back of a prayer. Come on, somebody that was broken through prayer in the realm of the Spirit, and God did a massive move of God in Uganda. And actually, uh, Jackson you, um, said that on his staff, he's had multiple people uh, that were dying of age that God healed and restored. And um, so that's just tremendous, tremendous deal. So I've been looking at that, and so this morning I want to talk. If you've ever heard, uh, actually Lance Wall now teaches on this, but he was not the one that come up with this. I'm actually going to teach on a subject that the revelation was first shared in 1974, to my knowledge. And God in 1974 forged two men that came together and they met. One was Lauren Cunningham. How many's ever heard of Lauren Cunningham? Lauren, my Lord Jesus, we down in the south. Anyway, Lauren Cunningham had a has a ministry. Actually, he's in his eighties. And if you actually, I was watching this morning the call, the call of Zusa. You remember when Lou's daughter Gloria comes on the stage when Lindy's singing that song? That man in the brown leather jacket between uh, Bill Johnson and Lou Engle is Lauren Cunningham. He had youth uh, YWAM, youth with a mission. And um, and so I'm just telling you, these were radical Jesus freaks that Lauren was raising up. There was this one, uh, I remember this one story of this girl that was um, on, on this, uh, at, at this college or whatever, and her father called her or whatever to see how she was doing. Anyhow, she, she, had, um, she wouldn't come to the phone, and so he called the roommate and said, you better put her on the phone or whatever. This, this, this college kid was in the middle of a 40-day fast, nothing but water, and was too weak to even come to the phone. And her dad asked her, said, why would you fast like this? She said, I will fast until this nation knows the God that we serve. Come on, church. We got a long ways to go. And so I'm just going to preach to try to bridge the gap of that chasm between the biblical reality and what we see as reality in the church. So there was another man that was running with a youth movement by the name of Bill Bright. Bill Bright is going to be with the Lord, but he had a ministry called Campus Crusade for Christ. And Lauren Cunningham was seeking the Lord, and the Lord began to show him uh, these things that uh, Lauren Cunningham referred, referred to them as mind molders, if you will. And Bill Bright had another name. Forgive me for not knowing. But anyhow, when they begin to share the revelation that they had, which is basically where we get Lance Wall now and others talk about the seven mountain mandate. Who's ever heard that revelation in the church? The seven mountain mandate. So that's what I want to talk a little bit this morning. I want to talk to you the reason why I believe that the church has lost its influence. How many knows that the church plus the gospel plus the culture each is tra transformation? When the church preaches the gospel minus of the culture, we have liberalism. Are you with me now? So here's the thing. I'm going to try to draw this out on here. Maybe we need an artist. You'll see that I'm not an artist. All right, so we have, these are not mountains, are they? I have been mad to get you to draw a mountain. All right, here we go. We're going to do These are ugly mountains. 
But in these mountains, I want to begin to show you something. We got a lot of ground to cover, so y'all, I'm going to try to do more teaching. You know I'm subject to hollered, okay? But listen, we got media. Media, education. Uh, what else we got? Help me out right here. Uh, we got government. We got business. Um, the arts and entertainment. What else? I'm missing a couple. Family. Which one am I missing? I have to look at my notes. Huh? The church. My Lord Jesus. No wonder. We've made such an impact, I forgot about it. <laughs> I forgot my own calling. Let me say this now. When we read this, what Stanton read last week, he gave you the background and the history of that. We also went through the background and the history of it. He gave it to you again on the Wednesday night podcast. Now, let's, let's look at it again. To make up time, can I just quote it to you, okay? In Matthew 16, in the verses that we quoted out that we were going to read, that Jesus taking his disciples to Caesarea Philippi. There he began to ask the question, whom do men say that I am? He says, some say that thou art Elijah, some say that John the Baptist. He said, but who do you say that I am? Come on, how many knows it's not important what granny says about him or your dad says about him? It's who do you say that he is? And, and so Peter answered, said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He said, Blessed art thou, Simon, son of Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto you, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Where do you think the gates of hell exist? Does the gates of hell exist in the church? Where is the gates of hell? I'll tell you where they're at. The gates of hell are sitting right here at the summit of these mountains. This is where the gates are. The reason why, you don't want me in a spelling bee either. The reason why we've not seen cultural transformation is because the church refuses to summit these mountains. What we want to do is get people in these mountains to come to the church. What God is trying to do to empower the church to get you into these mountains. Come on, somebody. So here's the thing. We take everybody believes that they feel that they're called by God, and we try to make preachers out of them. The last thing we need is more preachers in the church. What we need is educators. We need businessmen. We need people called the media. We need people called the politics. And we need to train and equip them in the Ephesians 4 model. Come on, somebody. He gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some pastors, some evangelists, teachers to equip them to do the work of the ministry. And the work of the ministry is found in these mountains. You believe what you believe because they tell you what to believe. Come on, somebody. You can go outside in society and tell what news network that they watch by the way they are responding to the coronavirus. Who is telling you that? Those gates that are setting in the top of that media. Come on, somebody. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, let's go right here. Genesis chapter 22. I want to show you this. I found this. Man, I found a bunch of cool stuff this week. Genesis chapter 22. Genesis 22. Look at verse 15. This is where Isaac is taken up on the mountain. And Abraham's about to put a knife through him. 
How many knows this is an allegory of Christ? Come on now. Of Jesus. This is a picture of Jesus going to the cross. Watch what happens after he was, was, uh, withholds the knife. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham second time out of heaven and said, by, by myself, I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing I will bless you and multiply I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven and as of the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall what? Possess the gates of their enemy. How many, listen, I'm telling you, this is the plan of God. God has equipped us to possess some things in here. Jesus said to occupy until I return. Come on, somebody. Jesus said he would build the church. He's not building buildings. He would build the ecclesia. And if you have a passion translation, it says my legislative body. Come on, somebody. When is the church going to become a legislative body and become the salt in the earth? Come on, somebody. And a light in a city set on a hill. Come on now. So here's the day. He said, and your descendants shall possess the gates. It is God's will we possess the gates on the top of these hills. Look at Genesis 24. Here's another allegory. This is the picture of Abraham going to find a bride, Rebecca, for his only son, Isaac. Come on, somebody. Where did he find Rebecca? He didn't find her in the club. Come on, somebody. He found her at the well, the well of his presence. This is where God Almighty is going to find his bride. Come on, somebody. Not, not happy with church games, but in his presence, what my, uh, Matt just declared. So he finds Rebecca at the well. Now, Rebecca goes to leave to meet Isaac, look at what her family, who? The church family. Come on, somebody. Say the church family. Look at what they read over her life in verse 60. And they, and, and they blessed Rebecca and said to her, Our sister, may you become the mother of thousands, of ten thousands, and may your descendants possess the gates of those who hate them. Look at your neighbor and say, God is about to bless me to take something. Come on, somebody. Lord of mercy, I'm preaching in the funeral home, but glory to God, he's given us the power to raise the dead. All right, listen to this. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We got a ton of scripture to go through. I've got to set this out. I can't just preach it. I got to lay the foundation. Be like Perry Stone. Take an hour and a half to lay a foundation. He lays the foundation an hour and a half for a 10-minute message. All right, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. What you got to understand, you watch the media, you watch the news, and I have this question. Catherine asked me, how can, how, how can people think like that? How can people think like that? What you got to understand is there are things hanging over geographical areas that shape your mind. Tells you what to think. They're not... They're not down here at the bottom of the mountain. They're up here controlling everything at the bottom. <laughs> All right, look at this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Look what Paul says right here. Oh man, I got to find this. I didn't even write this down. 
Uh, let's start right here. Therefore, since we have this in verse 1, since we have this ministry as we receive mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in the craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully. But by my manifested by, by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled by those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Where these gates cease to exist to veil the minds. Come on, somebody. This is why you why you believe what you believe when you receive Jesus. The Bible says scales fell from your eyes. Come on, somebody. When Jesus in John 3 went to Nicodemus, he said, if a man is born again, he can see the kingdom of God. You got to be born again to even see that there is a kingdom at hand. But my God, the church has been living in the lobby. John 14 says, let not your heart be troubled. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you so. I go to prepare a place for you. Where I go, you may be go also. There's a lot of rooms in the Father's house that the church has never even had access to or walked in. We have had men to walk in them, like William Branham and God's generals you read or whatever, but the church hangs out in the lobby. So a man must be born again what to see. When you are born again, God gives you eyes to see the kingdom, to press inside the kingdom. The church preaches the gospel of salvation. Jesus never preached the gospel of salvation. He preached the gospel of the kingdom. What is the difference? The gospel of salvation is about redeeming man. The gospel of the kingdom is about redeeming the earth. Lord, I'm I'm hollering a little bit. The gospel of the kingdom is about redeeming the earth. It's about going all the way back to the garden in Genesis. Come on, somebody. Where Adam was created with dominion. Look at your neighbor and say, dominion. Oh, don't offend nobody, preacher. Adam had dominion. He had dominion in the garden, and he was commanded by God, be fruitful and multiply and extend the reach of this garden. You with me? Even in the book of Joshua, where they're about to go conquer the land, the Scripture says they were at the River Jordan, which was at flood stage. God instructed them to the priest to carry the ark. And it says once the priest stuck their foot into the river, the waters of the Jordan dried up. The waters of the Jordan always represented prophetically death. Death began to stop at that point. When? The salt of the earth. What is salt for? Preservation. Wherever the church is located, there should be no decay outside the walls of the church. I said, wherever the church, the ecclesia, I'm not talking about a building with a steeple on it. Come on, somebody. Wherever that legislative body exists, it should preserve society. But you and I are not preserving society. We have got to come to terms. We are not preserving society. These gates sitting at the top is what is dominating the culture. Now, I don't got time really to get into all of these. But, but listen here. Education. How many would send your child to a restaurant? How many would send your child to a restaurant when one out of every 10 dies to food poisoning? 
That would be crazy. There's no way you would do it. But you and I send them to public education every day, which has a statistic far worse than that. Come on, somebody. Don't even get me on the private schools. Here's where the private schools come up. In 1955, there was a landmark Supreme Court case called Brown versus Topeka. Come on, somebody. Against Topeka, Kansas, which, unco- which ruled it was unconstitutional to segregate schools. So what they did was they created Christian education where the, where the people of opposite color could not afford afford to go to that school and they called that what? Legal segregation. Now you and I have got a job to do whether it's in Christian education or whether it's in government education we can't abandon the mountain. Come on somebody. We need godly people to look at this mountain and say I believe that the tide can turn. Come on somebody. It doesn't take a majority of what I'm talking about and I'm not just talking about voting in conservatives. The gay agenda advanced under, under the most conservative presidencies of 10 years had the most advancement under conservative presidencies. So here's the deal. How has the gay agenda Come on, somebody. Advance like it has in this nation with only 5 to 6% of the population because they've not done what the church has done. They've infiltrated these mountains from the top down to push that agenda. And here's the thing. The gay agenda destroys this mountain right here called family. Oh, preacher you got to love. I do love. But God in the beginning, and I'm tired of watching debates come where they use the scripture out of Romans chapter 1. Go to the very beginning, friend. In the law of interpreting scripture, the beginning sets the stage. And in the Garden of Eden, God did not put two men, and he did not put two women. He put a man named Adam. Come on, somebody. And he put a woman, womb man, named Eve in the garden. And that is God's set I want to just tear that up just a little bit. But it's destroying family. They'll tell you to love, but why don't they tell you the suicide statistics of homosexuality? Why don't they tell you the disease of homosexuality? Come on, somebody, that it causes. What happens is they infiltrate society. They use media to get us, to get us, desensitized to it down at the cartoon level Disney come on somebody don't don't just oh yeah 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 yes these little cartoons now where they got two dads and two moms they're desensitizing and meanwhile the church sets back and says well it'll never happen no woman ain't never gonna take prayer out of school it'll never happen and it's happened come on friend you and I are called to to as mountain climbers to get in these mountains to make a difference I'm not trying to take over the mountain. Actually, if we put Christians on top of this mountain called business, (laughs) we'd collapse the thing. Because 60% of the Christians can't even trust God enough to write a tithe check. And you think God's qualified you to handle wealth? Matt, will you go start my vehicle? Pull it to the back door. You're not even qualified to reign in wealth. I was reading something. Man, I, Catherine, she's like, my God, are you going to quit reading? But I've, I've read a ton this week. Listen to this. See Peter Wagner. How many's ever heard of C. Peter Wagner? This is what he said. 
He said the reason why the church, when the apostolic reformation began in 1990, the reason why the church has not reformed society, he puts it on one word, our lack of understanding of money. Oh, he's going to preach on money. Our lack of understanding of wealth. First of all, let me say this. You are not going to have any influence in business driving something that's held together by Christian bumper sticks and dead up to your eyeballs. What business recognizes as success is wealth. How does Bill Gates have a voice into the medical community with no degree? Wealth. They recognize this. What the church does is, oh, he gonna preach about his money. He gonna tell us we gotta tithe. We get mad when somebody preaches about money. Well, you ought to get mad when you read the New Testament. Because Jesus preached about money more than he preached about family. Because it, because it is a stewardship thing. How you handle money is how you will handle the rest of your life. Oh, my God. All right. I'd calm down. Let me go back. I'm trying to get in these mountains without laying the foundation. So listen to this. What happens is, listen. The gates are setting up here. They're trying to tell you how to control what you think. Okay? They're desensitizing you through education. You know that the first 230 universities that were founded in the, in the United States of America were founded on Christian principles and were founded to teach Christian, mostly ministers, to further their education in the gospel. Now today, your universities over majority have been taken over by liberals and leftists. Which is why you're seeing happen on the universities what you're seeing happen. All right. Matthew chapter 28. Let's go here. So trying to control what we think. I say this about the education. The government was never meant to teach your children. I'm going to say it again. The government was never meant to teach your children. Who is called to teach your children? We are. And I can tell you I've got to get more on it at my house. Matthew chapter 28. You there? I'm going to find it in a minute. I'm right here after the book of Hezekiah. All right, look right here, Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. You all right? All right, listen to this. Then 11 disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. Look at your neighbor and say, God's got a mountain for me. The day of you coming to church to watch me preach is over. Come on, somebody. This is, this is it. Where we come, where, you know, we going up there to John's church. This ain't John's church. This is God's church. Come on, somebody. And you've got to find which mountain God has called for you. Everybody's got an assignment in this room. My mountain is the church. I've been like a pickaxe on it for <laughs> every day. God, Junior, I'm asking God to give me another one. Give me media or something. But I mean, I can't, I don't even know how, I didn't even hardly know how to work the iPhone. Still don't know how to work it, man. So I can't be on media. Look at this. He had, he had, 
He had arranged a meeting where? On the mountain. What is he trying to tell you? I'm calling you to the mountains. I'm arranging a meeting for you on the mountain. You are called in the mountain. Here's Catherine. She gets frustrated with education. And a lot of times she looks forward to retirement from being a teacher. But then when they closed the school down, she cried for five days because she couldn't go to school. She's called to the mountain of education. You with me? Well, she'll be crying when she's got to go back. Well, listen, listen to this. <laughs> if we can get the other 50% of the time, she might not let them quit. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore. Where? Go. Look at your neighbor and say, Get going. Go and make disciples of all nations. Do what? Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The church has made disciples in nations, but we have not began to disciple nations. Let me tell you, who is discipling nation? Islam. Our toleration... We just, we just won't be respectful. Our toleration allows it to infiltrate. Do you think Islamic terrorists are teaching their kids, oh, just ride the boat? They're looking in the eyes of these young children saying, take over the earth. Meanwhile, the church is telling their children, oh, don't worry about planning the rapture's going to happen. What you got to understand, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 14, I think it is, that when the gospel of this kingdom is preached in every nation of the earth, then the end shall come. It ain't coming while we sitting here preaching the gospel of salvation. When the church awakens to the king and his kingdom, the kingdom is about the authority of Christ. Come on, somebody. The kingdom looks at cancer and realizes it's been defeated 2,000 years ago. The kingdom looks at depression and realizes it's been dealt with over 2,000 years ago. It is about the lordship of Christ. All right. So he's got him on a mountain. Look at your neighbor and say, I got a mountain. Now listen to this. I heard this, I heard this question asked. There's a guy I've heard Chris Valentin refer to him. I've heard these different ones that are privileged to sit a little higher up on the mountain of the church than I am. There's this guy that they refer to him as the stealth Billy Graham in Washington. He's like leaven, which a woman hid in a measure of meal. You understand that's what God's trying to do with us. We got to church praying, oh, Lord, give me a Christian job where everybody's saved and read the Bible. No, that's not what he wants for you. No, in the Bible does it teach that. We're going to go back to when Jesus sent them out. He said, I'm sending you out in the midst of wolves. That's what God wants you to do, live with the wolves. But he wants something on your life. Come on, somebody, to rub off on the wolves. The wolf pack dwells in the mountains. Come on, somebody. God don't want you to. <laughs> That's Listen, people get mad at Tyler Perry. When Tyler Perry started creating movies because he had cussing in his movies. He wasn't trying to reach the church. Oh, man, I'm telling you right now, I'm getting fake. 
And I do wash my dear. If that offends you, I'm sorry. <laughs> Difference between me and a hypocrite, I'm honest about my language. All right, let's look at this. Who was Paul called to preach? Who was, called, who was Paul called to preach to? That was the question. Stealth Billy Graham asked this individual. Who, who was called Paul to preach? Who was Paul called to preach to? The Gentiles. That's the way he answered. That's not what the Bible says. I'm sorry you have not read the scripture. I'm cutting that with you. <laughs> he was not. He was called to the Gentiles, but there were two more groups he was called to. So the church says that we only want to be called to the Gentiles. Oh, I just want to be, I just want to help the broken and the poor. You're not going to change society by helping the broken and the poor. Pastor Dale taught us this a long time ago. You can pray, you can get on that bus, and you can have your Bermuda top, top on. You can have your straw hat on, your sunglasses. You can be like Christmas with the cranks playing the music. Are you with me now? But if the driver of that bus got on the front of that bus, Chicago, you better get you a parker, baby, because it don't matter how long you stay on that bus and fast. It don't matter how long you pray in tongues. That bus is headed to Chicago. This is why Jesus saying, if you want to turn society, you got to get to the driver of the bus. Come on, somebody. So Acts chapter 9, when I read this, I just, I read this. Acts chapter 9, look at this in verse 15. Y'all all right? All right, we got a little ways to go. We're going to make it there, though. Acts chapter 9, verse 15, says, But the Lord said to him, this is, this is we just breaking in this text, this is the conversion of Saul of Tarsus. Are you with me? This is the road to Damascus experience where God knocked him down and now he's blind and he's visiting Ananias and he's telling Ananias to go lay hands on him because I've chosen him. Look at this. But the Lord said to him, go for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles. Look at this. And who? And who? Kings. He's called to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Here's the problem. Because most, a lot of believers live under this right here. Well, we ain't nothing but old sinners saved by grace. Man, I, I'm just an old sinner. We in a pile of debt, we're broke, but we wear that as a badge of honor. Poverty is of the devil. Brokenness is of the devil. I said poverty is of the devil. It's part of the curse. Prosperity is the blessing of God. Well, we just so sinners saved by grace. Broke. You know, Jesus was broke. That's a lie. Come on now. But it's, the South has ate up with that. Jesus was broke. Well, if Jesus was broke, how in the world could he afford a kosher meal in an upper room big enough to hold 13 folk? That's called the Last Supper. If he was broke, how did he wear a seamless robe, which was the Armani of his day? The clothes he wore was so expensive, they cast lots to see who could have them. But his robe was also prophesying to us seamless that there was nothing separating him from the kingdom. 
I may have been a carpenter, but I was a kingdom man. I may be a plumber, but I'm a kingdom man. I may be a businessman, but I'm a kingdom man. I may be a nurse, but I'm a kingdom man. I may be a teacher, but I'm a kingdom man. I'm a seamless. Because we believe this about ourselves, it has caused us to be afraid to go see the king. I got to get into this, okay? But let me tell you something. I believe God's going to give us opportunity to get before the kings. This is how Solomon was raised by David. When you set before kings, not if it happens, not could it happen, but when you set before kings, Proverbs says, consider his delicacies. Realize you're not there before yourself. Come on, somebody. All right. So he's called to look at this. Look at Matthew chapter 10. Y'all all right? Let, let's... I didn't even write this down. All right, let's go to Matthew chapter 10. I want to reread this. Alamak, you all right? All right. Verse 5. Then then these 12 Jesus sent out and commanded them saying do not go into the way of the Gentiles and do not enter a city of Samaria of the Samaritans but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and as you go preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand as you go see how many souls you can save is that what he said he said as you go preach saying the kingdom is at hand now other words this has got to be the starting point of the message now you can build on the message you can elaborate on the message but this is the message that you go carry there is a kingdom at hand come on somebody how far is it it's within arm's reach how far is healing it's within arm's reach how far is deliverance it's within arm's reach How far is prosperity? It's within arm's reach. You can start today breaking the curse of poverty off of your life. Just start being generous. John Wesley preached under extreme oppression. I mean, extreme deals that were going on. He preached under extreme economic depression. This is what he said. He said, make as much as you can. Save as much as you can. And give as much as you can. If you will put those three principles in your life, you will die a wealthy person. Oh, God. Man, I'm about ready to just... mm been preaching this to squirrels for all week they do give a good response they will run with you look at Matthew 10 preach saying the kingdom's at hand heal the sick notice the command the same the same anointing that allows you to preach is the same anointing that's going to allow you to heal heal the sick All right, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you receive, freely give, provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money belts, nor bag for your journey, nor tunics, nor sandals, nor staffs, for a worker is worthy of his food. Now whatever city or town you enter, enter, inquire, Who in it is worthy? My God, I just saw this. This week, inquire in that town who is in it that is worthy. Other words, I want you to find the person with the most influence in that city. That's the place I want you to go. Because you're not going to turn anything until you find people of influence. You're not going to change the education in this town until you get the ear of the superintendent. 
school board. Because the last time I checked, that's the ones making the decisions. Is that right, Brother Terry? That is correct. You're not going to change anything until you get that. Y'all, y'all looking at me like, I don't know. I just don't know, preacher. I mean, I just want to go to church. Will you just let me go to church? Not here. I can point you to at least 50. That's within driving distance shorts. You can go by and get a biscuit and go right there and hang out on the back road of pew. See, this is the problem with the mega church, what it has done to America. It has allowed the Christian to go hide in the crowd. That's why God's disrupted the mega church model in this country. Well, he's against mega churches. I'm not against mega churches. I got a mega church. All right. Man, listen. Go find who it is worthy. I want you to lodge there. Let the salt on your life begin to get on them. Let the light that is in you shine. Come on, somebody. We got a church worried about the darkness. Quit worrying about the darkness. The light overpowers the darkness. Just shine the light. My God, I'm not going into a crack house wondering if I'm going to succumb to a crack addiction. Oh, God. All right, I got to move on. My God, we only on the second page here. All right, let's go to Luke chapter 4. Where does he want them to go? The kings. Where does he want them to go? Whoever's worthy. So that means I'm going to have to break off my life, this false humility, seeing myself as worthless. What made you worth something is God who is inside of you. You carry the treasure. Where in earthen vessels? Luke chapter 4. This is the temptation of Jesus. Look at this. Luke chapter 5. Then the devil taking him up on a what? High what? Mountain. Then the devil takes him up on a high mountain, showed him what? These right here. This is everything he showed him. Right here. I'm going to show you business, government, media, education, the church. I'm showing you all of it. Where at? On the high mountain. The Bible says in the king taking him up on the pinnacle of the mountain. Why did he take Jesus to the pinnacle of the mountain? Look what it says in there. Keep reading. It says, he offered this to Jesus. He said, for all of this has been what? Given unto me. Where in the world did the devil get access to such a lofty place? He got it in the Garden of Eden. When Adam forfeited his right to rule and reign, he gave, come on somebody, the deed, he signed it over and gave it to the devil. Mm -hmm. This is the whole reason why the second Adam appeared. Come on somebody. He didn't appear so he'd come down here and save some souls like we won in Sunday school. There was a whole lot lost, more lost in your salvation. The deed was lost. Come on, somebody. He came, He comes to recover it, but here's the thing. The devil's offering him a shortcut. This is what, I know what you're here for, Jesus. I know the reason why you've been sent. I, the prophecy was given in Genesis 3.15. He had to worry about every time some crazy person got up on the earth. He had to worry when Samson was out killing, man, a thousand people with the jawbone of a donkey. Don't you believe that made him nervous? 
When, when Samson killed a lion with his bare hands, don't you think he was worthy, wor- worried about David when David was out killing bears and lions with his bare hand? Don't you think he was worried about Elijah? Come on, somebody. When he shows up at Ahab's house and says, according to the sound of my word, it's not going to rain for three and a half years. He looks into Jesus. I know what you're here for. You're here to recover the kingdoms. But listen, I'll give you the shortcut. Because here's the thing. God was never into plan B. He was determined from plan A that he was going to defeat Lucifer through his own creation. That is you and I. So when you and I got redeemed, we didn't get saved as an old sinner saved by grace. When you and I got saved, we were transformed out of darkness into light. Romans 8 says we've been adopted into the family of God. Come on, somebody. When Jesus went to the cross, he is not now the only son of God. He is the firstborn among many brethren. Come on, somebody. He is now my elder brother sitting at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you and I. Now we are the sons of God. Come on, somebody. And Romans 8 says that the earth is groaning and crying out for the manifestations of these atoms to arise on the earth and get on these mountains to bring influence. Okay. So he shows him these high mountains, shows him the kingdoms. Let's track right on just a little bit. I got a little bit more time. You get done before I do. Let's do this. Listen to this. I've already quoted this. The greatest gains in the gay rights occurred during 10 years of our most conservative presidencies. Their movement has never been larger than 5 to 6% of the population. So what does the gay rights have? Money. They got money and they infiltrated every one of these media. Now we got to get our cartoons. We got to get cartoons show two dads. We got to do home and garden television. Uh, we got to do couples that's, you know, that's gay. Uh, we got to get here in the education system. You can't discriminate against because I feel gay today. You can't tell. I, I'm, I'm just gay, okay? That's the way I feel. You can't discriminate me. Then we got to come in here and we got to move policies. So we got to pay off. We got to line politicians' pockets so they'll begin to vote and go our way. Come on, now we get them up at the top of the bill. Oh, you're not going to do business with me because I'm gay? You're discriminating against me because now I got the laws because now I've infiltrated the government. They back what I say. Oh, come on. Come on now. Meanwhile, we go in the show. Oh, what a day it'll be when by Jesus I shall see. And they building right around the church and society is decaying outside the walls of the church. And we sitting in here hucking and bucking, getting fat with a fork and getting fat off the gospel. Oh, now we come into church where the church says, okay, you know what? It's got to be political correct. So we're going to ordain homosexuality in the church. Don't act like there's not denominations that are ordained a homosexual.
I remember listening to Apostle John Kelly when I was in my early 20s. He talked about the gay agenda. He said it's one of the greatest threats against the church. I said, man, this man's lost his mind. Let me tell you, it's one of the greatest threats. Now, what we're going to do as a church when the government education provides your kindergartner education about Adam and Steve. When drag queens go to schools in L.A. to read our children books. Oh, Lord, John, just calm down. I'm coming down. Protestant and Catholics make up 70% of the majority of the U.S. population. How many believes that the church outnumbers anything? What we got to do is mobilize the church. We got to teach you here in the South that you do not come to church. This is a building. I had somebody to tell me the other day, talking about people talking about this ground. This is one thing they said. This ground is dirt. This building is a building. If we vacate this building, there ain't nothing special about it. What makes this building something is the people of God on the inside of this building with vision. Come on, somebody. What makes this ministry something is the vision in front of it. Oh, my gosh. All right. The church lacks culture. Listen to this. The church lacks cultural power because it focuses on changing the world from within the church mountain rather than releasing the church into the marketplace. Okay. Last wall now was telling this. Let me just say this. I read a book and I'm back in the book again. It's a big book. And it's called The Coddling of the American Mind. How three untruths are setting up a generation for failure. Now in this room, we all feed according to what your political preference is. That's the news broadcast you watch. If you lean heavy to the Democratic Party, you love MSNBC. If you lean to the Republican Party, you love Fox News. And so what this book does is it breaks down the real stories of people's lives that have been destroyed by Fox News, by MSNBC, and by CNN. So there's a danger to when you just glean from one side. Not all Republicans are evil and racist. Not all Democrats are evil and racist. And it's in what has what has permeated society is it's us versus them. We're never going to win or gain favor in those mountains with that type of mentality. It is not us versus them. And the people on those mountains are not evil. Because if you ever put the devil and you paint what he looks like, you've already lost. Brennan Manning says this in his book, Ruthless Trust. That once you put a face of an individual and you call that the devil, you have already lost. Adolf Hitler was created in the image of God. He was just deceived. Because all people are created in the image of God, everyone is due honor. And how we're going to win this mountain is not through the takeover mentality, but through the, the way Jesus took over these mountains. As he grabbed a towel and a basin, and he began to serve. 
John 13 is the greatest key into cultural transformation. Live the life of a servant. Revelations 5 and 10, 10 says this. It says that God has made us kings and priests under our God. We are priests. We worship him. Come on, somebody. But we are kings. The only place I'm a king in front of is in front of the forces of hell. Come on, somebody. I have the authority to pull strongholds down in his name. Come on, somebody. Casting down every imagination that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. Corinthians chapter 10. You with me now? So we begin to serve in these places. We begin to serve... Not because we're trying to make you a Christian, but because we love. Oh, I got. I got to get right. Here. I got to land. All right. We've tried to bring them all. The the remember John five, the healing at the pool of Bethesda. For a certain season, the angel come down and stirred the waters, and there was a man 38 years laying there that Jesus walked by and healed. That's the whole mentality of the church. If we can get you to come to church, your life can be changed. Why don't we just start believing if I become your co-worker, your life's about to change? If you go out and eat with me, something happen on you. If I walk in your house, the whole atmosphere of your house gonna change. If you broke, if you listen to me for five minutes, your finances gonna change. If your marriage sucks, come on, somebody. If you just come out and look the way I model life, something's going to change. If your kids don't act right, just hang out with me. You ain't got to come to church with me. Just hang out with me. Get near me. Come on, somebody. This is in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 5. Peter, shadow. They put him out in the street just that the shadow may could get over him. All right. Oh, Lord. All right. So here's the thing. We got to begin to release the church. Okay, I feel called. I feel called really to start a business. Great. Start your business. I feel like I'm called to politics. Oh, help you, Lord. Get into politics. I feel like God's calling me to be a teacher. Teach. Be a coach. You'll make more difference being a coach and being a teacher than you ever will standing in the four walls of a church. Because every year you get a fresh batch of little open books running right before you to write on. People that are never coming through the walls of the church are going through the school. I say it to you, all right, I'm closing. I'm finding a landing place. I went and heard a guy preach. I don't know, it must have been about six months ago. And I come home and I told Kevin, I said, this man preached for over an hour. And I said he gave three scriptures. You could never accuse me of that. Because see, I know that y'all ain't reading the Bible. Some of y'all had to hunt it down to bring it to church with you. But I'm going to give it to you today, okay? Isaiah 2, you there? Come on, it's right after the book of Daniel. Isaiah 2, the word of the the word that Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days. Look at your neighbor say the last days. Let me tell you what the church is looking for in the last days in the south. They looking for hell to take over. 
and a few will hang on to the end. I've been doing this since I was 18. That's the predominant view I'm telling you in the South. Pull up Romans 5.17. Put it on the screen. Romans 5.17. Put it in the New King James if you got it. But the predominant view of the South is, listen, we got to pray for the rapture. Because if you've not seen the news, it's getting bad. And it's getting bad now in our neighborhoods. Pray for the rapture. Man. I'm not trying to be a smarty britches. I've, I've, I've traveled a lot in my theology, okay? Because at one time, I mean, I, I believed that the Lord was coming back before we made it back on Sunday night. And then I said one night that the Lord can't come today, and I was preaching in a church, and Matt was with me. This is some maybe close to 10, 12, 15 years ago, somewhere along in that. And Matt, for real, did have to go out and crank my truck up and get us out of there because it was about like Paul ready to throw us off the mountain. Listen to this. For if by one man's offense, death reigned through the one much more those who receive what? The abundance of grace. What do you have on your life? The abundance of grace. By the way, the end times are referred to as the day of the Lord, not the day of the devil. I said the day of the Lord, saints. I said day of the Lord to the saints that dwell in sparks. For by one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of what? Righteousness shall what? Shall what? Reign! In where? In the earth. This is why Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 6 the model prayer. Thy kingdom come. Where? The emphasis. Where? The kingdom. Thy kingdom come. Where? On what? What should the focus be of the church? Half the people trying to get to heaven. Newsflash, why are you trying to get to where you already dwell? Why are you trying to take a trip where you already live? Ephesians chapter 2, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. I live there every day of my life. All right. All right, we got we to finish this right here. Listen to this. So here's the thing. The mountain, go back to Isaiah 2, we got to finish it. The mountain of the house of the Lord, what? In the latter days and last days, that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established, what? This mountain right here, what? The church? Where's it going to be established at? Over everyone. <laughs> How many seen the movie, The Secret Life of Pets? You remember when... Uh, tiny dog and them killed a viper or whatever and he goes in there and he showed his battle plans I sent this to Matt and Stanton I said get me an easel and I, my, my battle plan is going to look about like he is at the end and he said look at it and he said you remember when they looked at it and they said they can't even understand it he said how can you can't understand it so I'm trying to get us to understand it the mountain of what the house of God you ready it's going to be where it's going to infiltrate all of this y'all this is great news I said this is great news so we're going we're gonna to infiltrate all of this. Business, family, entertainment. How many know like Revelation Wellness? How many knows what I'm talking about? Revelation Wellness, Lisa Key. Got a few in here. So all they're doing is just working out, right? Wrong. While they're working out, they're proclaiming the Word of God over you. They teach you about losing weight. You got a whole lot more weight to lose than just around your gut. 
the weights of the world, the cares of this life. What about if we had these chairs out of here one day a week and we was doing exercise up in here? Come on, Richard Simmons workout style with the Word of God over people. Come on. All they know is they come into a workout class. Come on. All of a sudden, they hear the music playing. Man, what is that? Man, why is she up there so happy like that? What is this feeling I feel? That's the kingdom of God coming near you. Come on. This is how Jesus sent them out in Matthew 10. I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, but be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. So at the end, the latter days, the mountain of the house of God's going to be in all of these. Going to be in media. We're going to see a turnaround of the media in this nation. About five people believe that. I announced it here first. I said we're going to see a turnaround in the media. And we are. Hollywood is being infiltrated by believers. The passion of the Christ by Mel Gibson broke ground. Come on, somebody. I said it broke killer ground. Education. We're about to see the greatest education reform the nation has ever seen. Terry, believe what I'm saying. I said, we are about to see the greatest reformation of the education system we have ever seen. It is broken. Listen, I don't need nobody to tell me it's broken. We in it. We know it's broken. But I'm telling you, it's about to get reformed. And it's going to start one community at a time. This is even. You're going to have to stretch your faith right here. I said, you have to believe with, um, uh, I mean, you have to believe with some faith. This mountain right here is going to be influenced by God. Let me tell you a news flash. The Word of God is flowing from the White House 24-7 right now. There is worship 24-7 in the White House. See, the media don't show you that. There is more prophets standing around the President of the United States than any time in the history of this nation. The Bible says, believe in the prophets and you shall prosper. Prosperity and wealth is tied to the honor of the prophetic gift. Man, I feel the more. Listen to this. All right, so here's the thing. I got I to gotta bring this to a close. I am not done. I ain't even begin to set the foundation up what I'm going to talk about. So here's the deal. If I take Revelations 5 and 10, that I'm a king and priest, you got to start believing who you are. I got in the bed last night, looked at Catherine, I said, you get laid beside the man of God. She said, shut up, get in the bed. Listen, listen. So what's going to happen is if I believe that, as a priest, I serve. But as a king, I wreak havoc on hell. As a king, I got influence. So what's going to happen is, is I got to realize when I get opportunities to serve, Help me, Holy Ghost. 
First Samuel 17 tells the story of the Valley of Elor. The children of Israel being held up by this giant called Goliath. David's on the backside of the desert unrecognized, but he's been called out by Samuel to be the next king of Israel. He's learned how to worship God. He's killed a lion and he's killed a bear. He goes down to take some supplies to his brothers. And one of his brothers, the oldest, Eli, falsely judges David's heart and he, protect, he projects onto him what is actually in his heart. And so Saul is scanning, he, he's scanning the crew that he's got to see who in the world is going to stand up against this Goliath, man. You know what I'm saying? Who's going to stand up? So David gets the opportunity not to be king, but to be what? A soldier boy. But through his opportunity as serving as a soldier boy, he takes out Goliath. Come on, somebody. And now he gets... Let me just show you this. This mountain called government, he's down here. Through one act of service. You with me? Y'all all right? We bring it to a close. I know, I know. I'm long-winded. Listen. Through one act of service, he gets one opportunity, not as a preacher, not as a king, but as a soldier boy, and he puts on some, and he tries to put on Saul's armor, but it, really, it won't work for him. So now he, he realizes, hey, this, this ain't the call of God on my life. I got to be who God called me to be, and God called me as a shepherd boy to run with a slingshot. He didn't call me to run with no spear. And he looks at this Goliath and said, you come at me in spears and bows, but I come to you in the name of the Lord God. The same God that helped me overcome a lion. The same God that helped me overcome a bear. I'll be the same God that delivered your head into my lane today. And he comes in there, and through that one act of service, he comes from the bottom to the top. This is how you and I are going to get in the door. This is why people get mad at me about reading, but I'm telling you, you cannot. Mark Twain said, I refuse to let the school get in the way of my education. You got to read. Well, if you're going to get in the education bracket, you got to begin to read. Stuff like Dr. Ruby Payne, understanding the framework of poverty. We don't have a race problem in this nation. We got a poverty problem in this nation. Oh, Lord. All right, I got to finish up. Acts chapter 28, this is my last verse. Look at your neighbor and say, praise the Lord. We're going to eat. I'm going to set my family down at home and finish preaching the rest. Steve, I want you to take a picture of this right here. So you have this for homework. Alright. <laughs> it's my battle plan. It's my battle plan. This is us right here. This is Cornerstone. And we're about to take it off. It's my battle plan. Y'all right? Let's finish right here with this. Alright. Acts 28, verse 7. What I want you to see in this verse, this is the Apostle Paul. He ain't known as some great apostle. He is a political prisoner. He is a prisoner. There's nothing looks great about his life to draw any influence or anything. I'm going to show you what gained him influence here. I'm going to skip over the first one to the very next one right here. 
in Acts chapter 28, verse 7. In that region, there was an estate of a leading citizen. Look at your neighbor and say, this was the big dog. In that region, there was an estate of the leading citizen of the island whose name was Publius, who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. You know he had to be thinking about, who's that prisoner, man? What you bring that prisoner up in here for? What he didn't understand about that prisoner, that they were all dying. Come on. In the previous chapter in Acts 27, they was in a storm. But this prisoner stood up and said, listen here. The angel of Yahweh came to me last night, and this is what he said. Not a person on this ship's going to lose his life. We're going to lose the cargo. It's going to be beaten up, but there ain't nobody dying. So now this prisoner is in the house of a leading citizen. He's in front of the mayor. He's in front of the governor. Look at this. And it happened that the father, what? The leading guy, the governor's daddy, was sick. And a fever. And Paul went into him and prayed and he laid his hands on him and what? Healed him. Look at what happened. So when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. And they also honored us in many ways. And when we departed, they provided such things as were necessary. He went from the bottom of the mountain to the top of the mountain. Why? Because he was walking in his God-given call, healing the sick back to Matthew 10. Jesus said, just live in society as you go. Go about your daily life. Walk in the hardware store, preach the kingdom. Walk in the grocery store, preach the kingdom. Walmart, preach the kingdom. How are we going to infiltrate society? By you awakening to what mountain you called to. You called to one of these mountains. Please don't say the church. We got enough in the church. We got to get these other mountains. You can't have the church. We got, we got so many on the church mountain right now, we can't even have room to breathe. We got to get some off on these other mountains. We got to get into the realm of business. We got to begin to teach. We got to begin to teach real finances in the church. And we got to quit getting offended when somebody gets up here and talks about tithing. What we're not, we're not, listen, we're not trying to get more money out of you. What we're trying to do is get more money to you. When I teach on tithing, I am not trying to get money from you. I'm trying to get money to you. And until you deal with that devil, you are never going to walk in the blessing of God. Can I get an amen up in here, church? Malachi 3. I don't look at that as a law. But here's the deal. He said, try me in this. Try me. See, if, see, if you can't trust God in the air of your money, you can't trust Him with your health. You can't trust Him with your family. Now let me say this. I, I got to finish with this. The ones that God going to send us to teach us about wealth are not broke. I'm going back into the government mountain just a minute. America got upset pleading to God for the finances of Donald J. Trump. 
What you got to understand is this. If we didn't get a businessman in the White House, you and I wouldn't be preaching the gospel free in this nation. Because China is about to own this nation. From George W. Bush to George Washington, the company, the country had acquired $5 trillion worth of debt. By the time George W. Bush and by the time Barack Obama, who spent his, his monthly fiscal spending, was as much as the previous president spent in one year. We were at $19 trillion in deficit. Come on, right? And we've just spent trillions on a bailout, printing money. Do you know what happened after the, after the Civil War? The Confederate dollar, you know how much it was worth? the church is praying God help us in the nation God help us in the nation God help us Lord God do something do you think China's friendly with the gospel they'll cut your head off for the gospel's sake friend you better get your head out the sand China's no threat they're a goat nation and they are a threat that's why the church is called underground China who is doing far more success than what we are in the open, above-ground church in America. So we're $19 trillion deficit. So God go gets a billionaire. And now the churches, same way in the church, we're going to have a financial seminar. We open the door. They pull up here in a $100,000 car, get out in a tailor-made suit, gator skin shoes, I ain't let about listening him on finances. I tell you right now, I ain't about listening that rich joker try to teach me about money. But here's what we would listen to: somebody, Pastor, I'll be there in a minute. They trying to jump me off down here at the Piggly Wiggly, rattling, beating up in the parking lot, coming in here clanging, getting out, flip flops, overhauls. They ain't got nothing to teach you about wealth. If we go learn from wealth, we got to learn how to draw from the wealthy without being offended at the wealth. And we got to learn how to honor those who do walk in wealth. And if we'll honor what's on someone else's life and get biblical principles in our life, what is flowing on their life will begin to flow into our lives. Are you with me now? You can reject this all you want, friend, but you will never drink from the well. Only those that are honor will partake of the well. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you the truth. It goes the same for me or anybody else in this room. And because the, because the prophet don't look like, act like, talk right, all of these things, we get offended. I'm talking to us this morning. When the, Bible, when the Bible ties the wealth and the prosperity back to that gifts operation in the church, it's the prophet that has the ability to hear. We need to get back in the parables of Matthew 19. It's the parable, and we, t- we want to talk about stewardship in that parable. That parable ain't got nothing to do with stewardship. It's about investment. And we need people to understand how to invest money and how to make money into the church. Let me just tell you this, and I'm done. But the days of living off donations is over with. We're seeing this. Y'all, I got to go home, but can you give me, I'm on borrowed time right here. I ain't charging for this, okay? But the greatest transfer of wealth happened when? 
when the children of Israel left Egypt. And who did God use to transfer the wealth? He didn't use the men to transfer the wealth. He used the women to transfer the wealth. You women ought to high-five something up in here. Huh? Down here in the south, we don't even got that side of the army even deployed. Because we believe that, you know, women can't even preach in church, but they can sing in church and they can teach Sunday school in the back room. They just can't have the pulpit. Most women got something more to say than some of these frozen icicles that's been to cemetery. Come on, somebody. It's got real encounters with God. God used the women. God said, you go to the Egyptians and you ask them, give me your gold and give me your silver. The women of Israel got under a stupor, Sister Katie, and started taking out the earrings and everything else. Come on, somebody. So what we've got to learn into the church, listen, the church has tried to live off the tithes and the offerings. We will not change society by living off the tithes and offerings. If you built me a ballpark in this city and gave me the keys to it, I could change the children of the city. Hello? Because our rec department looked like something that was built by Goofy in 1975. And our citizens don't do nothing but ride by and say, I wish it could be different. We need people to stand up in this town. Oh, my God. Okay, you better put the locker back on me. I'm out the cage a little bit here. I'm going to calm down. I'm coming down. But if you built your own ballpark and your own basketball courts, where everybody had the right. And we wasn't worried about no $35 donation, whether you could play the sport. But now because it's owned, come on somebody, and operated by the kingdom of God, I can teach kingdom principles and they can't nobody run me off of it. There ain't nobody from these other mountains gonna influence what I'm doing. Come on somebody. I'm just trying to help us. So how are we gonna get that type of wealth into the church? We gotta learn how to generate wealth. It is the Lord God, Deuteronomy chapter 8, it is the Lord God that gives the power to generate wealth. It's one thing to have $100. It's another thing to have the 100 working for you. And this is where God wants to move the church, an understanding of investment and how to make money. In that parable was all about investing. Am I right? And I'm not trying to be evil. I'm trying to come out. I'm trying to, I'm trying to learn from myself. And learn from my family. I've made a vow before God. My family will never walk a day in poverty. They will live. My children will live by my giving. I about three people in here can say amen to that. If you believe what I was talking about, you would never let a plate go by in front of you that you sneered at it. You throw a, a, a George Washington in there. You would sow knowing that you're sowing into the future, friend. I'm not just talking about into the church. Now the tithe according to Malachi chapter 3 comes to the house of God. The tithe is not even yours. It don't belong to you. It belongs to God. Am I in the book? I'm finishing this up right here. Now the offering belongs to you. You choose where the offering goes. And so here's the thing. I was rereading back on and, and see Peter Wagner's blog where he said about money and stuff like this. And he goes back and he ties this. He said the tithe, the tithe goes to the house of God. The offering goes where you plant it. But the Bible talks about tithes and offerings. What God has put together, let no man put asunder. And that is not just husband and wife. Prayer and fasting. 
tithe and offering. Then he goes back to the first fruits of the book of Numbers. And he said, these gifts go to the apostolic leaders who pioneer the work of God. Now let me say this. I know we getting it when you start when you start giving honorariums. I'm messing. I'm getting messing some people up in here. When God instructs me to get now, listen. When I give money to the poor, I don't look for no return. But I, when I give money to honor, up the ladder, I'm looking for the return. Oh, I'm telling you. We are living in the greatest days that you could ever be alive. Y'all, we're about to see what nobody in the book of Acts ever saw with their eye. History is about to be written with the greatest youth movement the world has ever seen. Massive school takeover. I believe it. I will preach it till I die. This is the call. I'm called to wear the bandana and the boots. I was never called to wear the dress. Other people preach that. And I'm not talking about no, you gotta be, I'm talking about the bridal gown. Stand up, we gotta get out of here. Let me say this is another thing. Being how I'm on the I'm on the ladder or the soapbox or whatever. What the church has looked at the business, they've looked at those up on the business mountain. They looked at those on the business mountain. And they just looked and said, you know what, man? Hey, they are up there just to go get resources and provide it for us on the church mountain. That's wrong. That's some jacked up stuff. We've got to have these on the business mountain that are walking in success begin to teach in this mountain how to get what they got. Do y'all agree with what I'm saying? Remember when uh, Bob Jones asked John Paul Jackson, said, how do you interpret the dreams? He said, I don't know. I just do it. God's getting me to do it. He said, well, that's the saddest thing I've heard. What do you mean that sad thing you've heard? Because if you don't know how you do what you do, you can never teach me to do what you do. But what I'm trying to tell you is the ones that he sent them to, these kings, these kings have great influential power. I believe that there are some, there are a lot of kings that are looking. I found this out true about kings in the business world. Kings don't like to come. Let, let me tell you one of the reasons why, what gets them frustrated in church. Because where your tithe is $150 a week, their tithe liable to be $10,000 a week. And the church gets scared about that. See, a $10,000, oh, he's trying to take over the church. Do you know that one of the greatest transfers of wealth in modern times was that the Salvation Army received a one-time gift of $1.5 billion. What do you think worked better? Them standing out there ringing the bell in front of Walmart or the one king that opened the door for them? 
God's trying to do this through the church. Man, I didn't pick it up right here, Adam. I'm almost done. I'm leaving. If you get done before I do, well. But I'm telling you, if we're going to drink out of this well, we've got to stop sabotaging the well. I'm talking to us right here, church, this morning. We got to stop sabotaging the well. We got to quit getting jealous and envy. We got to kill those things in our heart. And we got to realize that God's no respecter person. Because I want to drink of those things. Do y'all? Do you want to drink of that well of, of the finances? Do you really want to do that? God wants us to be a blessing so we can, I mean, God wants us to be blessed so that we can be a blessing. I love to sit down and buy people's food. Come on, somebody. I, I love to do that. You can't buy somebody's groceries when you're broke. Let's break that mentality off our lives. Let's do it. When God sends the package to unlock those finances, it is not going to be the beat up Dotson. And they are some wealthy people who drive beat up Dawson, so I'm just not stereotyping, okay? I mean, Sam Walton drove old Ford. But he ain't had no old Ford mentality. He wouldn't never build what he built. Huh? Stretch your hands up. I'm about to pray and we're going to go home. your way right here in this moment. God, have your way in this moment. I'm telling you, the Lord's doing something right here, church. God, begin to identify to me my mountain. What have you called me to? Don't let me sit idle in the church and on a pew. God, show me my mountain. God, I'll make a difference right around me. Just show me where they begin to serve. You know, there was a... I just want to end with this. And I'm just going by faith here. I don't have no person, no person to please or anything. I'm not running for nothing. I can't be voted out and nothing like that. I'm secure in who I am in the Lord. But... This, I, this started happening to me on Friday. Then I, I, I felt like I started hearing the Lord on last night again or whatever. And I just sat there and listened this morning. Man, I was just, I was just burning listening to 
that, that old Azusa Street with Lindy on there. And it was basically Lou's daughter, Gloria, talking about Lauren Cunningham and talking about all these different missionaries. And she was just talking about, will you say yes to just go, go, go with the call of God? And you know that, God, help me, help me say this the way This, this, this deal that I was reading by Peter Wagner, we, we look at, you know, that, and, and Damon teaches about this. He, he, he uses the thing, talks about the word evervescence, and you see the evervescence on someone's life. In other words, you see the outpouring of God on that person's life, and you begin to sow into it. So, I mean, people, people that's got all kind of preconceived ideals, I don't, I don't know, you know what I'm saying? And I, by the things that I do, I, I don't, people can take any, you can take any message that I preach on any given Sunday, you can't slice and dice me over an hour or 45 minutes of teaching, okay? You got to know my life and look at the sum of what I teach. That's why in the, in the middle of the Bible in Psalms 119, it says the sum of thy word is truth. You can't slice and dice it, okay? It's the sum of thy word that is truth. But I was thinking about finances and I was thinking about this and I was thinking about how that what we've done to, to, the, to the kings, if you will, the business people. And that's just not kings, okay? There's kings on the government. The kings just carry influence. They have a way to, to whatever. And there are business people in this room and then there are people that carry a greater mantle. There are people that carry the mantles for business. You got to understand the difference. One is a prophetic person can be a pro, can be a anybody can prophesy, but a prophet is the gift. You you understand, right? You with me? One one has a gift; the other one is the gift. And then the gift of discernment of spirits that the church has bought into, which I believe is the greatest gift needed in the church in this hour. We thought that that gift is to be able to discern demons the heck you want to be see a demon for and be infatuated with demons the stuff that we've come up nowhere in the context he said cast devils out that's they'll manifest if you just walk in the kingdom so with this is the gift to recognize the anointing on someone you with me recognize to see the anointing and where it's at And so, I don't know. I just feel like this is, this is something I got to do. And if I, if I miss God, I've asked God multiple times. I've asked God this morning while I was sitting in my office, I said, God, I don't want to miss you. I, I don't want to do nothing. Now, those that know me personally know I will sling a dollar because I just don't care about it. I ain't even sling if we ain't got it. You know what I'm saying? I don't do good on the saving. I'm not a, I'm a, I mean, when, I, when y'all read my last will and testament, I, my boys, I leave you all the stuff that I purchased for you. And all my love. Because you blew it while, while I was here. Remember Mr. Brown when he got left all in love? <laughs> Daddy love? Right. But this is what I feel like. We've got to open the door to the business, okay? In this, in this area, okay? Now, listen. Anybody can judge me leaving this. I don't care. All I'm telling you is what I feel like God has shown me in my heart. And as preachers, what we've done as the, as the priest, we've taken the king and we've prostituted him by what he could do to the church instead of taking the gift and allowing that to be displayed in the church to begin to break that off of everybody in this room. 
How many would love to go to the next level in your finances? I said, how many in this room would love to go? The answer is not you making more money. It's a wisdom thing. That's why Proverbs is all about wisdom. Digest Proverbs every day. It is a wisdom thing. God wants us to be able to be the head and not the tail, the lender and not the bar. God wants you to be able to go to the dealership, get the vehicle you want, and write a check for it. We have got to get out of this debt. Church, you believe what I'm saying? I'm telling you, we have got to start getting out of this debt. Because you are. Whoever your lender is, that's your master. I didn't say that. The Bible says that. So here's the thing. What the preacher loves to do is the preacher loves to get gifts. This is how my boys have the upper hand on me because they have identified my love languages. I give gifts. They know that. So Asher, come, Asher he'll come in and Daddy. And then say, never mind. Walks off. <laughs> then it's preceded by another question. Will you? Well, they exploit that sometimes and use it to their own selfish gain. God help them in Jesus' name. Here's the deal. Raise your hands. Right here, we're going to do this. Danny and Kelly, you come here. You stayed around this long, you might as well come here. I'm going to pray for you. Catherine, you come here. Now this right here is a dime given to a dollar in some sense. This sacrificial gift for my family. Because this check got plenty of zeros on it. But I honor you as a king in the earth. You've told me out of your mouth not one's come back to say thank you. I, I am the first among many that will come back to say thank you in the days ahead. I plant this gift as an investment, knowing this will come back into my family, into my children's, into my children's children, knowing this day that this is a mark right here, that God is positioning us to take the mountains of the earth in this region. I may not can do nothing about D.C., but I can do something about the land of the South, and that's what God's given me. That means there's going to be business. That means there's going to be educators. There's going to be kings that we not know of. When you built that building that everybody laughs and everybody still mocks in this town, you never built it for this town. You built it for the man to come to this town, to bring resources resources into this town. You have stood the test of time. I'm telling you this, when all walked off and left you, God never left you nor forsake you. But I'm just telling you today, I feel like this from my heart. I don't got, I don't want nothing from you. You didn't even get me nothing on my birthday, so this ain't no gift of that. This is simply just to honor you who you are as a man of God in the earth in this region. I bless you as an apostolic leader to another apostolic leader. Father, we say open up. God, I am the priest in this region, and I'm asking you 
you to open up the gates of finances to the businesses in this area. I just planted this seed, God. Father, I pray let this seed multiply into everyone's life in this church. I plant this as the head of Cornerstone to flow into the life of every believer in this church. Let it flow from the beard to the garments to the feet to everyone in this room. I declare today that the spirit of poverty shall be shattered over this region. I declare today that the spirit of lack shall be broken off of every life under the sound of my voice. I declare that those that are hooked and connected to this property, connected to this vision, that their business will flourish like never before. Those that have been devastated at the beginning of 2020, God, I pray a hundredfold return over everything that's been stolen from them. Father, we pray for contracts, agreements, and business. We pray for connections like never before in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that you would take us from 30-fold to 60-fold to the 100-fold in the mighty name of Jesus. We bless you. I declare this room is a room full of kings. You said the kings shall come from our loins. I declare it so today. In the name of Jesus, Father, we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Give God a great God bless you in this house. I need the business people to get your arms in the air. Get your hands in the air. Get your hands in the air right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. My God, I'm telling you the anointing and the power of God is in this room. Get your hands in the air. Get your hands in there. Believe right now that the next six months is going to change your life supernaturally. The next six months, there's going to be an unreal supernatural flow of oil into your life in the name of Jesus. Just like the widow Saul in the days of Elijah where the oil didn't run out, I declare that the oil of God is going to flow in your house like never before in the name of Jesus. My God, I feel it, church. Now look to heaven and say, I receive it. I receive it unto myself. Say this, God, give me my mountain. God, give me my mountain. In the mighty name of Jesus, would you give God a great God bless you? Listen here, friend. We'll see you next Sunday. See you Wednesday night. Don't forget, those who are signed up in the small groups, those begin tonight. Is that correct, Matt? Yes, your small group meeting starting back tonight. God bless you. Don't forget to tune in this week on the live stream. We hope you enjoyed our message of the week. Thanks for joining us. Our passion at Cornerstone is our family atmosphere built on deep relationships. We want to connect with you. Please take a moment and download our app and connect with us on social media to stay updated with all things Cornerstone. We pray you have a wonderful week.